Section 16 of A Brief History of Forestry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Brief History of Forestry by Bernard Fernau. Section 16. Norway. Originally divided up among a number of petty kings, Norway was brought under one rule by Harald in 863 and united to Denmark in the 11th century, becoming gradually a mere dependency. Its later political fortunes and changing relations with Denmark and Sweden have been referred to on page 286. The history of the forestry development, however, has proceeded more or less independently of the other two countries. Norway, occupying with 124,445 square miles, over one-third of the Scandinavian peninsula, is for the most part a mountainous plateau with deep valleys and lakes. Its numerous fjords and waterways make accessible much of the interior mountain forest, yet a large part of the inland area still remains inaccessible and trackless. More than 75% of the country is wasteland and water, only 3% in farms, leaving for the forest area 21%, or little over 17 million acres. According to latest data, 1907, from this productive area, a further 2 million acres must be deducted as non-producing. The distribution of this forest area is most uneven. The bulk and the most valuable portions of it is found in the southeastern corner around Christiania, in eight counties, in which the forest per cent exceeds 40 to 50, with conifer growth, pine and spruce, up to the 3,000 foot level. Again, in the three counties around Trondheim, a large and important forest area is located at the head of the fjords but the entire western coast and the higher elevations are devoid of valuable forest growth, and the northern third of the country, north of the Arctic Circle, is mostly heath and moors with only 7% wooded, mainly birch growth of little commercial value. The commercially important forest area is, therefore, locally confined. It is estimated that one half of the territory has to import its lumber, one quarter has sufficient for home consumption, and the excess which permits exportation is confined to the last quarter. This export, mostly in logs and staves, which amounts to nearly $20 million, 40% of the total export, half of it wood pulp, is estimated to represent only one-fifth or one-sixth of the total cut, which is stated as about 350 million cubic feet, or at the rate of 23 cubic feet on the productive area, while the annual growth is estimated at less than this amount, namely at the rate of nearly 21 cubic feet in the southern districts, and in the northern not over 12 cubic feet. Scotch pine is the principal timber and occurs beyond the Arctic Circle, the northernmost forest in the world, where its rotation becomes 150 to 200 years, with Norway spruce more or less localised, these two species forming 75% of the forest growth. Oak, ash, basewood and elm occurring sporadically, and white birch being ubiquitous. Forest property developed on the same lines as in Sweden and in other European countries, hence we find state, communal and private property. When in the 9th century, upon Harold's accession, the commons were declared the property of the king, the rights of user both to wood and grazing were retained by the Merker, and the so-called state commons, Stats Aniningia, remain to date encumbered by these rights, similar to conditions in Sweden. From the end of the 17th to the middle of the 19th century, it was policy of the kings to dispose of these commons whenever their exchequer was low, and the best of these lands became, by purchase, property of the districts, big dalmining. 
provinces, cities, and village corporations, or else became private property on which the rights of use continued. At present, the state owns largely in the northern districts somewhat over 4.8 million acres, 28.5%. But of this, hardly 2 million acres are productive, and of these productive acres, half a million consists of encumbered commons, from which the state receives hardly any income. The district commons, or communal and other public institute forests, comprise around 7,800,000 acres, 46%. But here again, only 580,000 acres are productive. The balance then, or a full one quarter, is in private hands. Export trade in wood had been very early carried on and had been considered developed in the 13th and 14th century. By the middle of the 17th century, the coast forest of oak had been cut out by Dutch and English wood merchants, who had obtained logging privileges under special treaties of 1217 and 1308, and by Hasiatic cities, especially Hamburg, entering this market in the middle of the 16th century. There are records which would make it appear that at least some of the now denuded coast was forested in olden times. The development of the iron industry increased the drain on these supplies, which forest fires, insects and excessive grazing prevented from recuperating. As early as the middle of the 16th century, we find attempts to arrest the devastation by regulating the export trade and supervising the sawmills, forbidding especially the erection of sawmills intended to work for export only. In the 17th century, various commissions were appointed by Christian IV to make forest reconnaissances and elaborate rules for proper forest use. In 1683, Christian V issued a forest ordinance increasing the number of forest inspectors instituted by his predecessor and giving in detail the rules governing forest use, many of which proved impractical. In 1725, a commission, the so-called Forest and Sawmill Commission, was appointed to organise a forest service. It functioned until 1739, when the first General Forstamt was established, and the first attempt at real forest management was made. This came into existence through the efforts of two famous German foresters, J.G. von Langen and von Xanthia, who, with six assistants, were called in from the Harz Mountains, as also afterwards to Denmark and Sweden, during the years 1736 to 1740, to make a forest survey and organise a management. Descriptions and instructions were elaborated in German, and the service was largely manned by German wood foresters, Holzforstern. The strictness of the development which had been organised after von Langen's departure in 1739 made it, however, unpopular, and in 1746 it was abolished, von Xanthia returning to his country, the sole survivor, the other assistants having succumbed to scurvy. The administration was again placed in the hands of a commission which continued till 1760. Only the forests connected with mines remained under the administration it instituted, and those belonging to the copperworks of Auroras continued under its forest inspectors until 1901. In that year, 1760, another short-lived attempt to organise a forest administration was made, but the new organisation did not fare any better and was superseded in 1771. Then followed an interim regimen, during which the general government and district officers were in charge. The old orders, under which forest use had been regulated, remained mostly in force until, in 1795, all the reasonable and the unreasonable obstructions to export were removed. The sawmill privileges, under which English lumbermen held large areas for long terms and devastated them without regard to the impractical regulations, were, however, not ended until 1860. The wood industries were then relieved entirely from restrictions, and forest destruction progressed even more rapidly with the increasing facilities for transport. 
This final cessation of the destructive policy was the outcome of a campaign which started once more with a forest commission instituted in 1849 to take stock and make new propositions. This commission reported in 1850 and pointed out not only the necessity of terminating the sawmill privileges, which was done in 1854, giving time till 1860, but also very wisely accentuated the need of technically educated foresters if anything for forest recuperation was to be done. To meet this latter want, young men were sent to Germany at government expense to study forestry. Some 10 or 12 men were educated in this way during the next decade, and thereby the basis for a technical forest management was laid. In 1857, the first two professional foresters, Midgell and Bath, were placed in charge of affairs under the Interior Department, and when, in 1859, a new commission was charged with organising a forest service, these two men were members. Gradually, an organisation took shape under the direction of these two forest masters, and finally, in 1863, the modern forest department and forest policy was established by law, placing the state domain and other public forests under an effective management, making provision for the extinction of the ruinous rights of user and also for reducing the mismanagement of private forests. The Forest Service, as now constituted after a reorganisation in 1906, is in the Department of Agriculture under a director, Skovdirektor, and four Forstmeister, or inspectors with some executive officers under various names, and 360 rangers, Skogsvogtoners, including the rangers employed in the public forests outside the state domain. The ranges are so large, sometimes several million acres, and many of them so accessible that only the most extensive management is possible, the officials being poorly paid and poorly educated. The management is, of course, not of a high order. Besides a forest engineer, who is a public lecturer, the officers of the forest department are under the obligation of advising private forest owners in their management, under contracts somewhat similar to the present practice of the US Forestry Bureau, the owners agreeing to follow the advice. Since 1860, the state has begun to purchase forest lands for reforestation in the forestless districts, and where, for protective reasons, it is desirable. In late years, regular appropriations of $15,000 to $20,000 were annually made for this purpose, besides extraordinary grants. In this way, the cutover lands neglected by their owners are cheaply acquired by the state. Besides its own planting, the state assists private owners by advice and money grants and plant material in reforesting their wastelands. The communal forests are under government supervision. They are usually worked under plans and under supervision of foresters with a view to supply the needs of the community. Only when the area is more than sufficient may they obtain the right to cut for sale outside of their parish. On the other hand, all fellings may be prohibited by the government if this is found desirable. As regards private property, there seems to be little or no supervision, although the law of 1863 had declared Kulturpleit and Kulturbank, i.e. the duty of reforesting, but it had not defined that duty, and the law remained a dead letter. In 1874, a special commission was charged to consider the forest policy, which the public welfare required. The commission reported in 1879 with propositions, which were submitted to the officials of the department and the district. A new proposition was worked out and submitted in 1882, but it was pigeonholed until 1891, when the forest administration brought in not a general law, but one merely forbidding the export from Nordland, Tromsø and Finnmarken the thinly forest northern provinces. Finally, in 1893, legislation was had enabling municipalities to protect themselves against destruction of forests needed for their protective function. 
This gives to them the right to formulate rules which are to prevent devastation, as for instance a diameter limit for felling or reforestation of clearings. But the costs of such restriction must be borne by the municipalities as well as half the cost of inspection, the other half being paid by the state. The procedure to determine the protective qualities of forests and the financial difficulty have left the law unused. In 1878, however, a committee of private owners formed itself to fix the sand dunes, which, with the state's subvention, started work the following year. Many of the state forests are so burdened with rights of user, which were granted to help in developing the country, that the financial restrictions of the forest administration and the conditions of the state property are most unsatisfactory, and the application of silviculture greatly circumscribed. The silvicultural system applied is most generally the rough selection forest or an approach to group system, relying upon voluntary reproduction entirely. Management is much hampered by rights of user to certain dimensions, and in the more distant districts by the difficulty of disposing of any but the best sizes. An orderly organisation is still almost unknown. The stumpage is sold and removed by the buyer and the axe is still mainly used. Higher forest schools there are none, but three schools for the lower grades had existed for some time, the first having been established in 1875 at Kongsberg. One of them was abandoned in 1889. Forestry is also taught at two farm schools. Until recently, the higher class foresters had to get their education in Germany, or in the Swedish Forest Institute at Stockholm. But in 1879, a chair of forestry was instituted in the Agricultural College at Christiania. In 1881, the first forestry association was formed, which by 1898 had over 500 members, and then was reorganised with a special view to elevate private forestry practice. It has now, 1907, 1,500 members, and employs a forester paid by the state to give professional advice, and works with state aid. It has set out over 50 million trees, besides sowing 8,000 pounds of seed. It publishes a journal, Tidskrif for Skogsbruk, and a yearbook. There is also another journal, Forstlia Dikstrit, and a professional society of foresters. Altogether, forestry is not yet on a high level in this country, but the subject is now being brought even into the primary schools, and the efforts to improve conditions are widespread. End of section 16